Warriors podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology, as well as all things spiritual and personal development. everyone. I have been quiet lately. I'm actually taking a month off of scheduled programming. And in this, I did say that I would maybe share something if it felt like it was coming through. But I, I pretty much swept my schedule for November. I have very little planned this month and I'm not writing the forecasts um, because I got covid and during the experience of being sick with COVID, I felt like it was very difficult to think. I felt very leveled. And the thing that I felt I could do for myself um, was not write the forecasts, not make the forecast videos, not write, you know, posts on social media and just like really, really take some time. And... I have begun to feel better and still feeling actually quite sensitive energetically, um, not just for this, but for other, you know, transits that I'm having, having, and what I'm feeling into is just the, um, what it means to have empty time with nothing scheduled and how it felt like, you know, when I was sick, that's what I had to do. It didn't exactly feel voluntary. It felt necessary. And now that I'm feeling better, it's been a really deep experience um, to have this time. And I think that it's actually really factoring into my Saturn return that's happening, which um, this was reflected to me in an astrology reading I received the other day around uh, my Saturn in Aquarius in the 12th house in whole sign um, being a time to create some boundaries around my time, um, to be able to have some space for nothing, for reflection, uh, for restoration, for rejuvenation. And I, um, I'm feeling, you know, these ideas about my courses, uh, and I'm still teaching actually, that's one of the things I'm doing, uh, that is scheduled this month. Um, but just feeling into, you know, what's wanting to come through, like what is wanting to come through when I give myself some more time to think. Um, and this has been exciting. And the other thing around this too, is that I actually, um, despite my egos flailing and just like total resistance at writing this, um, I recorded my experience, um, of the pandemic, like, what, you know, moved for me as the pandemic began, um, and then what it was like to actually have COVID. Um, and as I was writing this and putting it together, it actually became kind of, um, this sounds weird to say, but kind of exciting at some level of like, it was like historical journalism of just like a firsthand account, um, 
right? And just what it was like, because it really um, was not like any other sick experience that I've ever had. It wasn't just a normal cold. Um, it was a really intense spiritual experience. It was like a um, just a deep experience. And so I wanted to actually take the time that I had, you know, that I had cleared off to just actually really um, record the experience. Um, and that gave me a deeper insight to just um, around the value of reflection, right? Like I'm constantly having experiences. Life feels so vivid and so dynamic and so fast sometimes. And often, you know, these really interesting, magical things happen. And I don't take the time to really sit down and put in the, the labor that it takes to slow down and move my mind at the pace of the memory, the pace of the story, right? Not try to summarize it so quickly or skip to the end or skip over parts, but actually just get into it, you know, like get into the story, uh, relive it and put it on the page. And that is a deep craving that I have at a soul level. And it's just not something that I've been giving myself a lot of, um, and when it came to this story, you know, it just, I had the space and I wrote it. So I think that's something that I'll be sharing soon. Um, as complex of a story it is to tell. And of course, as charged a subject it is, it is also uh, so global. Um, it's a thing, it's happening that um, it doesn't seem like a terrible thing or an unreasonable thing to do, right? And this has also been something that's really been moving for me is just really thinking about my relationship with storytelling and why I crave it so deeply at a soul level and why my personality is like, oh fuck, why am I doing this again? Why am I like this? Um, and it just keeps coming up in reflections that I receive from people and in astrology readings. Um, why I have this tendency or why I have this call um, and what it could mean to actually lean into that and stop fighting my own nature. So what I'm doing today and recording this episode. And by the way, I will be back to sharing forecasts. Um, it's November that I'm taking off and um the eclipse, you know, affects me very personally. And one of the things um, that I feel like it, the way that it's actually just playing out is that, you know, instead of publishing my normal thing, uh, which, you know, the eclipse is hitting my moon and my moon's in the third house, um, which relates to publishing and media, that instead of publishing my normal stuff, I am... Uh, I made the decision to make some time to let other things emerge um, naturally if they wanted to. So that's what gave me time to write about COVID. And then I also started digging up some old writing and I found a story that I wrote or just like a portrait piece that I wrote when I was 19 that I felt like reflecting on and sharing with you. Um, and before I share the story, I just want to share a few thoughts Um to preface it. So one is that um, something that I think is really interesting on the, the spiritual path, like if you are living um, in this kind of devotional way and you are devoted to, you know, living your truth or living your purpose, there is the phase of discovering what that is, discovering who we are. And I think that 
things like astrology and tarot and, you know, these other mystical arts can really be languages that bring us to that deeper place of inner gnosis, right? And then there's also the space where we know what our purpose is, um, or we have a pretty good idea of who we are. And there is a, a lifelong process of surrendering to that, of letting the um, personality layers that resist it get out of the way, right? Um, this is just a general spiritual principle, like that idea of getting out of the way, um, entering into a flow state, being in a co-creative state, and that we you know, kind of get tripped up over our own egos. Um, and it's a really interesting dance because... We're not here to obliterate the ego or kill it or anything like that. Um, we It's an interface, right? And it's like we have a human. We have a human component to us. And so um, that balance between what is my human want, what are my preferences versus what's the true thing that's moving through me? Like how is the universe, like how is nature, how is like the raw primordial force of nature that, you know, blew up all of these galaxies into creation, right? Like that original, you know, explosion, say, uh, that became these galaxies and that all of these little processes uh, happened where we exist, you know, at the end of this million, billion, you know, billions of years of evolution. Like we are these kinds of um, emanations of the universe and our passions, our... Um, our inner intensities, our drives, our desires, like these are all parts of the universe expressing itself. And we do these very complex things as humans in terms of balancing, uh, fitting in in society or um, having it together, being stable with also letting that deep force of nature ripple through us, right? Um, and essentially as like, a person who loves the planet Pluto and is uh, teaching, you know, the evolutionary astrology intensive again and again, which is a Pluto, you know, form of astrology, a Pluto based soul based form of astrology. My ongoing meditation is just being in relationship with my soul and letting it express through my personality. Um, and that is a constant unraveling process, right? So one thing, uh, as I'm in this I just wanted to universalize it and then I'll, by sharing that and I'll come back to some personal stuff. I sometimes grieve um, a phase of my life. I think that's also universal. We grieve phases of our lives. Um, I grieve the phase of my life where I was just a writer. Like primarily that's how I identified myself. Um, where I wasn't yet a teacher or an astrologer. Um, and I grieve that phase for a variety of reasons. One, you know, I'll likely, I'll never go back to that. I can't unsee what I've seen. Um, and I also love astrology too much. Um, taking this t month off from forecasting has been very liberating, uh, just to kind of take my finger off the pulse for a moment, uh, and feel, feel my own experience without, um, keeping tabs on the astrology is hard, though I'm aware of it anyway, because I'm, I'm just in the practice of tuning into it. Right. Um, I don't want to turn away from astrology. It's my, it's very deeply important to me, um, and true to me, but 
the the kind of spatial reality for me is that when I was just a writer, um, I spent many hours writing things that were not necessarily about perspective on the universe, like just writing about characters and writing about scenes and writing portrait things about the reality that I was observing. And I don't know when in my life I'll ever create that much time for that endeavor ever again. And yet everything I've done since has carried forward the momentum of what I discovered in that phase of my life. So it's, it's a potent time that I think about. And I remember, you know, as I was like in, um, middle school, like it kind of started there where I found an online writing community and began to have more friends on the internet than I actually had friends in person. And I would, uh, just be so excited to get out of school and go home and get onto the computer and talk to my friends all over the world, write stories and have them read it, read other people's stories. And uh, I just had a much, you know, a very kind of interesting internet girl experience uh, growing up in that regard. And throughout my, um, my middle school and high school experience, um, I, I remember that I had this like really deep sense of longing that was very rarely fulfilled. Like I was always looking for a bigger experience in life. I couldn't wait to, um, to leave my hometown, you know, that I was in for 18 years. I was so excited to kind of go out into the world and like find more like-minded people, um, just have a different experience. Right. And I remember, um, really seeking like deep connection and having a difficult time finding it and almost having these near misses sometimes, right? Like kind of having a crush on someone or feeling like someone was going to be an amazing friend and having the experience and it falling short somehow. And just me kind of being alone, perhaps like looking at the moon even, and just being like, when is it going to happen? Like, when is this deep desire that I feel inside of me? Like, when's it going to manifest? Right. And in that kind of interesting space, I felt a lot of loneliness and solitude, even though there were people around me, like I just felt alone and lonely in certain ways. And in that space, um, I spent hours and hours reading literature written by people who were dead and, a lot of hours writing. And this was a thing that really brought my soul alive. And I didn't know, uh, why I was doing it, except that it was just something that I felt like I was good at. And it was something that I enjoyed. And I just kind of had this trust even that it was leading me somewhere. And so what's interesting about that time period was that I felt so oppressed by all of that solitude and alone time. And that solitude was so painful to me in some way that I actually made art as a way to cope. Like art was something that brought me a feeling of connection to timelessness. You know, I was spending time with people who weren't even alive anymore, reading their works. And I felt just like connected to this thread that was deeper than my own existence, deeper than my own life. Like when I was in that creative space and so uh, I really found that, you know, being creative helped me alleviate some of the more intense, difficult feelings of feeling alone. Right. And I would feel all oppressed, you know, by all of this time that I had and all of this waiting for life to begin and whatnot. 
And what's so interesting about this current moment that I happen to take a time, you know, happen to take the month off um, is that I'm connecting again with that sense of spaciousness. Uh, I do have more going on. I feel so much more fulfilled in my life uh, in general than I did um, back then. But that thread of, oh, I have this time, but the quality of the time means something different. Now it feels like a luxury when it used to feel like an oppressive thing. Um, and so that's been really touching to kind of feel into and just kind of an inner kind of like touchstone of like Saturn. Thank you, Saturn. Like, wow, Saturn, you know, like that was such a Saturnian experience that I had growing up, that sense of Saturn and Aquarius. I feel alone. I'm going to hang out with dead people by reading their writing. And I hate having all this free time, right, to getting to a place where um, free time is more of a luxury. And there's a quality of like, wow, time going by hours in silence, like is actually deeply nourishing, not having an agenda for the day, deeply nourishing. Right. And I know that this is a moment, this is a wintry kind of feeling. This is what I'm going through at the moment. And life has different ebbs and flows of activity and rest. Right. And I'm just, um, feeling so inspired by the rest. Right. So deep appreciation for Saturn here. And in this, you know, just today, um, I was digging up some old writing and I found something that really sparked me. Um, it's a very lunar and very moony piece of writing, which you'll, you'll feel, you'll hear. I felt like it was fitting to offer it around this eclipse, um, not because it necessarily has to do with the eclipse itself, but it's my own personal eclipse experience in the sense of the eclipse involving my moon and having this um, influx of like nostalgia. I had a tarot reading that, you know, offered me the insight to to really kind of lean into nostalgia and memory as something to think about for this eclipse. Um, and I also, you know, just in terms of this month taking off of normal scheduled publishing of the forecast so that something else could emerge, um, sharing, you know, a story that I wrote when I was 19 is like very, um, not like normal programming per se. And yet there's a part of me that's like, oh, this is fun, you know? And as I was alluding to a little bit earlier in terms of that, personality versus soul conundrum, I continually battle with my love of like, say, show and tell. <laughs> like I grieved in elementary school when we no longer did that. Um, I have a fascination with sharing stories. I have a constant, you know, image of life as a party or the internet as like a fire that we're all gathered around. And there's this deep desire in me to share, um, and then at a personality or ego layer, sometimes I cringe or I'm like, I can't believe I shared that or why am I like this, you know? Um, and this is something I've been realizing I need to surrender more to because um, I keep getting affirmed that this is like part of who I am, right? And I also think that stories connect us and humanize us. Um, I'm also tired of wrestling with this deeper thing uh, that's wanting to come through me and the little things I do to suppress it instead of letting it come to life. 
And of course, there's a skillful way to do this kind of thing of like letting ourselves come out. Um, It kind of reminds me of the strength card in the tarot. Shout out to Chris Marmalejo, the Threshold Tarot course. Amazing experience. It is going to be happening again. Um, I just completed it and um, I'm just absolutely stunned. It's a really amazing tarot program. And we had Chris on this podcast a few episodes back. Um, So I'll leave a link in the notes um, to, to their work. But it's reminding me, you know, this part of like letting our soul come out through our personality reminds me of the strength card. Um, And I think letting a deeper part of our nature be expressed through our personality is medicine work, if I've ever known it. Um, And I think it's allowed to be slow, too, because um, going too fast at that kind of thing can be very um, if it's beyond our range, there's consequences to that. Um, And I've been there. Right. (laughs) I've really definitely been there. If you listen to like the second episode of this podcast, for example, um, I, I've gone too far when I was younger in terms of having a sudden, you know, spiritual awakening and saying a bunch of things and suddenly seeming like a different person because the expansion or that, you know, energy happened too fast. And I didn't have the frameworks or the kind of grounding in place to hold that per se. And so I find that, um, the ongoing journey of letting the soul be expressed deeply expressed in this life is like very cyclical, very slow, very gradual. Um, and it spikes at certain moments, like there's activating moments, maybe some activating transits. Um, but there is a, there's an ongoing quality to it. And this can be a very powerful part about studying astrology and knowing your transits because you can, you can feel the kaleidoscope of how, how the cosmos is affecting you and what kinds of initiatory portals you're moving through at any given time. So about this story I found, um, you know, I'm really, <laughs> really giving a lot of preface to it uh, and then I will get into it. But um, this story really has me connecting. I just want to share with like my Mercury and Pisces, Trine, Pluto and Scorpio. So Mercury, Pluto contacts can be very um, incisive, very sharp, very perceptive, very, um, you know, kind of like language that really cuts or like language that really just like has a deep kind of primal energy to it. And it can be... um, Mercury, Pluto can be obsessive. It can be mean. Um, it can also be very, um, transformative, like transformative information, um, paradigm shifting information, like a sense, you know, of also like really alchemy through the word or alchemy through ideas. And part of the experience of being a Mercury, Pluto person, um, if you have that aspect, you know, or, you know, people who do, is that there is a transformation of the mind that happens cyclically. Um, and there can be a process of, of mental purification, right? And so we might see the beautiful part of that, like the butterfly part of it, but there is a caterpillar phase. There is a cocoon, you know, chrysalis phase. And I think that what I'm going to share with you uh, in terms of sharing some old writing, it's like some of that sharper, uglier side of the Mercury Pluto actually comes through in this. Um, this piece of writing isn't energetically clean. It's pointed, it's sharp, and it's even mean. 
but I think it's very beautiful and cutting and like there's a hypnotic quality to it. I remember when I wrote this, um, I was around 19 and I remember that I had the intention of making art and I wasn't trying to be moral. I wasn't trying to be perfect. Um, really I had this intention of like, I just want to create a beautiful piece of art and it's okay if it's ugly, it's okay if it has an edge. Um, I'd also been inspired by Anais Nin and Henry Miller's writing styles. And if you know these authors, you know, right? Anais Nin is this deeply compassionate Piscean seer whose work is absolutely transportive. Um, I recently read collages by her and it's one of the most beautiful things I've read. Um, and then Henry Miller has this very plutonic and vulgar voice. Um, like some of the most like, like writing that's actually really alive and it's almost, uh, it's so satirical and just, there's a meanness to it. And these writers were, were lovers, Anais Nin and Henry Miller. And they were also members of the Pluto and Gemini generation. And I devoured their writing uh, and I wrote some pieces like what I'll share in this episode um, after devouring their writing, kind of like a digestion of them. And I would try on some of their voices, my own, and I found my own voice through that magnetic attraction that I had to them and their language. And when I read um, this thing back that I wrote when I was 19, I love my flow state and the craft and the transmission of the piece. And I think I captured a shadow, maybe some of my own, right? Uh, inevitably, <laughs> uh, a character, though, who is um, not truly clear about her desire and is duplicitous and manipulative. Um and then what's kind of difficult about this piece for me is that I do, as I'm reading back, sense this like internalized misogyny or like hatred of the feminine. It's difficult, right? Uh, that I had not unraveled at this time in my life. So I find that painful about this piece, but it's also um, it's humbling and it shows me how much culture influences us and the real work it is to decondition from that. And I think that because I remember coming to this piece from a place of I'm going to make art, it's okay if it has an edge. I think I knew that I had something going on that maybe I needed to unravel, but I was like, I still want to write in the meantime. So I share this story, not because it's perfect or because it's moral, but because it's a glimpse into the kinds of things I used to write. I really loved this era of my life, right? I had these mystical experiences and intimations of the reality of astrology. You know, I'd been into it since I was a kid. Uh, I felt the universe as something alive, but it was a, a subtle thing, like a kind of uh, a, a wink from the universe every now and then. It wasn't my daily life at that time. And I was a kid, in some sense still. And I spent so much time reading literature written by dead people and writing my own things. And I knew, like deeply knew that I was lacking in life experience and perspective perhaps, but that I could always surprise myself with my own voice uh, when I wrote, even though I wrote from this place of the void, that I was very aware that my characters were caricatures 
They were dramatized beings who were a little surreal and exaggerated and often not treated fairly because I did not understand the human condition as deeply as I wanted to and felt deep inside like I would someday. And that's a journey that I feel like is ongoing for me. It's why I love astrology and the, you know, astrology delineations are such juicy writing, right? Like it's writing that actually... I feel like are these little acupuncture needles for the soul. Like when we read an astrology delineation and it just enlivens us or it calls us out. Right. Like, um, I have always approached like both writing and, and astrology from that, just like love of like wanting to understand the human condition. So my soul wanted this deep understanding of, of what it means to be human and my ego was still a petty teenager and uh, and knew that. And so when I wrote things, I had this really interesting experience of like, I've, I'm playing with the craft, I'm playing with the word, and I don't have all the wisdom yet. And I know this. Um, and a wise friend once told me as I was reflecting on the phenomenon that my diaries year after year say the same stories, but with different details. This friend reflected to me that our soul always shines through our ego and our personality at whatever level of development we are at. So in age or in wisdom, right? And so I do see my soul in what I've written here. And I do see the way this filtered through the limitations and biases of my consciousness at the time. Um, And now that I've prefaced it, the TLDR or the TLDL, too long didn't listen, but you have been listening. Uh, I just wanted to be very careful about prefacing the story because it it has an edge. Um, And I wonder if some people listening will just be like, this isn't so bad. Like you really let up. But I don't know. I think it is. So uh, here's the story um, anyway. And an invitation to relate to it, you know, as a story or as art. So this is a a character portrait, not really a story actually. Her eyes were vast pools, cinnamon clouded expanses, posed before the fireplace with her younger sister, an image of tragic proportions. These were women that inspired conquering, that caused much heartache. The younger, not come into herself yet, unknowing of her romantic potentials. The older, a foolish coquette, constantly reeling men in, of course, only those that volunteered themselves, and there were many. For those of whom she had intended on rejecting all along, she allowed them a certain sense of hope, while stopping them short at some point where she would no longer yield, would instead evaporate, or rather, sink into her own depths without very much disturbance on the surface, not a splash." She did let people in every now and then, but no one could stay forever. She would shut them out like the phases of the moon, the waxing, waning, and then complete disappearance of the moon from the sky. And when someone wanted to get back in, they were reduced to games of courtship, even the closest of friends. One had to appeal to her sense of nostalgia. If luck be had, she would come to the nostalgia on her own while looking at old photos. She was a slave to nostalgia. 
Weren't those the good old days, she would say more or less in her own abstract mind language. There was not so much a collection of words, but a mosaic of feeling, pulsing in and out of being like the urchin that is plumped by the tides and dried by the sun. Mornings, the sisters would coalesce by the television, wrapped up in blankets, scuttle around the kitchen for snacks, mumble and giggle. Neither one had to exert themselves around the other, for the smallest action could be unraveled and understood by the other. Together, they created a small universe in which everyone on the outside was ridiculous, floundering, laughable. Sometimes out of a genuine sense of superiority, other times a sense of wounded pride. Here were women who did not forgive easily. The younger of the two, approaching the house from the backyard, she is the shadow of a sunny day. The light glows around her. She has been crying, fears that no one likes her. She has styled her hair just like her sister's, but has not yet grown into herself. Her hair is fried at the ends from having fussed with it too much, day in and day out. The swing behind her is still in motion, and like the picture behind her having sensed her abandon, leaves are also falling from the tree from so high up above that, from a person viewing her from the house, it is raining leaves around her. It also means that winter is approaching, which brings the sisters great happiness. They loved nothing more than finding comfort after being uncomfortable, finding comfort that involved warmth, sanctuary, wrapping themselves in pleasing fabrics, wiggling their toes in new slippers. The older sister, a dark, wrathful beacon of light, not particularly intelligent about day-to-day -day things, science, literature, knew nothing of it all, really, and would shamelessly admit she didn't care to either. Instead, her world was a deep, black pool of emotional depth that she could navigate without words or explanations. She simply knew things. She surrounded herself with crass people, capable of being just as crass, but never staining herself with it. Perhaps the simple fact that she spoke a foreign language, a love language at that, Italian, she could seem more cultured than she really was. She was the mother to the motherless, the damned, the future drug addicts. Perhaps her magnetism came from the fact that she very rarely revealed herself, and yet it was apparent that there would be much to reveal. She wielded much power by consequence of her weaknesses, which in turn became her strengths. So there was more reason than ever to not step down from her post too often, lest those cloying around her find reasons to be dissatisfied with her soft, fleshy core. Instead of speaking about herself, she projected her emotions outward. She inspired confessions of fears of inadequacy, and she delivered the antidote of encouragement. She listened to passionate accounts of her friends' love affairs and became vicariously excited for them and more sure in her own constantly wavering affections. She more than endured breakup stories. She wanted to know every detail the speaker was willing to disclose. She would deliver a speech to the effect of, you don't need him. And then she would assert that he wasn't Mr. Right and that Mr. Right was still coming. And then she would make a beautiful meal and help herself to her parents' wine collection, which she truly believed could solve all problems. 
In the ephemeral moments that she came out of her cloaked expanse of maternal warmth to reveal her inner workings, her inner life, these were moments that rose and set quickly, that revealed few weighted words. When upset with anyone, she would tell her sister, and never the person who offended her, whom she would ignore, potentially forever. The offender forever cut off to the candle of her warmth, which had never been more than a flicker. Their mother, when home, often sat by their sides and called them beautiful. She would say, I love you, over and over again in her charming accent, bright-eyed and tearing up a little. To this, one of them would playfully groan, stop, and the other might look at their mother wearing a bright orange shirt and tell her, you look like a tangerine. This did nothing to discourage their mother, however. Her love to give was endless, and she even treated her daughter's friends like extra daughters. So rarely was an I love you returned, and yet so unwavering was that gleam in her eye, that constant need of expression. I do love my mother, the older sister confessed once, but I will never tell her. And that's the portrait that I dug up among some other older pieces of writing. Something that I, I do think informs writing things like this is just simply taking the time to think and reflect and get into a memory or feel into a moment and try my best to, to depict it or to translate it and this is something that I'm feeling into uh, just in my current moment in life and feeling into when things happen or when I have an experience that feels so vivid, so otherworldly or so enchanting or so fascinating um, that it's easy to let it flip by me and evaporate, you know, like maybe I'll always remember it, but it fades and it takes a genuine effort to sit down, throw myself back in the moment, in my memory, in my mind, and translate it on the page. And it's a really interesting struggle in some sense. Like it's, um, there's a moment of feeling like words are so inadequate or how can I convey, like there's a sense of the immensity of life or the, just the magic of a moment the things that are beyond language, the things that we feel, the things that we sense, and to sit down with this confrontation of an empty page and be like, how could I ever translate this? Um, and then playing and finding the words and coming up with something, even if it doesn't touch on everything or it turns into its own beast and is no longer even doing what I originally intended when I sat down. Um, it just means a lot to me to be able to have time to reflect. And as maybe you sensed, this was not, um, not a very um, kind light to shine. Um, this was a, a very critical portrait. And... I 
I can't say I've spent the time to sit down <laughs> and write something like this more recently, right? I, um, I think I've softened my perspective. And I've also had different kinds of transformations in my capacity to communicate um, in relationship, you know, or to take myself out of experiences that maybe aren't correct for me or something like that. Um, so I feel like I have less of this um, energy just floating around in my consciousness in terms of seeing someone in such a deeply critical light. But something that I have been enjoying lately when I do take the time for it um, is to record an experience, record a simple a moment that felt particularly electric and convey it on the page. Maybe something to, um, you know, something that I enjoy doing is like translating a moment that touched me and like capture someone in their light or in their brilliance, um, in their magic, in a really uh, kind of more of a loving, adoring way. And to share that with a person um, as like a kind of maybe like a creative offering. Like I'm not a visual artist. I'm not going to write you a song, but I can feel into your essence and write something about you kind of thing. Um, and just like a, a very strange, like longing and grief that I constantly feel at some very low level, or maybe I'm not always thinking about it, that there's more experiences and more things to perceive than there is time or energy or willingness to record it in writing, to, um, ground it onto the page. And in some sense, I actually, this is bringing up to mind something that I was discussing with someone very recently about the nature of, of longing um, when it comes to having a vision for, say, like your craft or who you want to be, like if you are a really big dreamer and the horizon's always receding. Like if you walk toward the horizon, it always recedes, right? It's, um, or it's like a horse and you're holding a stick with a carrot <laughs> and it's like the horse keeps walking toward the stick, but the stick keeps moving. So the carrot stays dangling at the same distance from the horse. And I think that this knowledge that I have connected with or this image or this kind of sense of this is how reality works uh, at some level is like, I think there's just a certain reality of like, we want, we might want more. Uh, we want, might want more from ourselves or from life than the moments currently offering. Um, there's ways to mitigate that, you know, to be grateful for what you have and to like really tune into the frequency of grounding into what's here and being so present and grateful for it. But when you tune into the visionary consciousness or the longing consciousness or how much, you know, more, you know, or like this moment was so beautiful, how can I convey it? Or like, how can I translate this deep feeling that I have? Or how can I 
uh, turn this deep feeling I have into music, like that aspiration that we have towards expression or towards the realization of something. Um, sometimes there's a sense of it always moving out of our grasp. And I think that people uh, internalize that and they internalize it and they beat themselves up and they're like well, always criticizing themselves so that they can become better. And I think it can be a deeply magical shift to know that you want more or know that something is so deep beyond capacity to translate it that instead of beating ourselves up for it, we love ourselves in it um, and recognize that um, when we expand the map, say like our concept our conceptual map of things that our experience expands. And as our experience expands, we add more things to the map, right? Like we gain more um, understanding, right? And our understanding opens up more experience and so on. Like there's just this kind of infinite quality to experience. And so Maybe this is all some like really dragged out way of being in Saturn return and feeling into what I have been told for years is a part of Saturn return, which is where you begin to feel like you don't have a lot of time, right? You begin to feel the limitations of time. Like before Saturn return, you feel like you have a lot of space for everything. And then you begin to have to prioritize or set boundaries or face certain limitations at the Saturn return. And this may just be one of them, that sense of life is vivid. So many interesting things happen. There's so much to be fascinated by. And I literally just don't have the time to keep up with it in writing. And I may never. But no, like no coincidence then that for a whole other reason, you know, with someone I was having this conversation this morning just about the inherent um, longing or that desire for the numinous, like always pulls us forward. It's a very Neptunian or kind of Piscean thing. So it's pulling us, right? But that we don't need to compare ourselves to imaginary ideals either. So I hope that you've been enjoying this um, very blown out <laughs> ride uh, from thoughts and reflections um, and this piece of writing. I think I'm going to end this here and just um, thank you for listening and, you know, thank the, the people that supported the Kickstarter um, because definitely in this time period of um, getting sick and then recovering from being sick. It felt really nice to feel um, like I was well-resourced. And so that was the Kickstarter to fund a year ahead of forecasts. Um, and just, you know, when I sent out the email that I was taking a month off, I received a lot of replies with people just saying, good for you. I support you. Feel better. Um, and I just felt... <clears throat> Um, so much gratitude for that, like 
so much gratitude for um, you tuning in to the things that I share, um, the forecasts, and you know, just sharing this love of astrology and consciousness and magic and enchantment with me. Um, and then also showing your support from your engagement, the way you tell your friends about it or leave comments um, or affirm me resting. Um, I just feel so immensely blessed and... Yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm.